about pornography. And I just want to start by sharing that when you are in the realm of psychology or if you are in the realm of counseling and therapy, your beliefs and your morals don't get to come into play when it comes to someone else's emotional journey or process when you yourself are the counselor. We can think, you know, we can have our own opinion about yes, it. We, we can we, have it. Yes, we, we can do. have it. A, we can have an opinion, but we don't get to express that opinion and say, well, and so I think I think that's a, it's an important distinction to make and to start off with. So let's I think talk. you're right, though, about therapists that and that, and this is true for very many different issues. I mean, porn's just one of them where right. you really need to put aside your own moral values because you want to meet the person where they're at. Yes. And and in fact, I'm trying to think if, I don't know that it's very rare that someone will say, well, what do you think kind of from a moral perspective? Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever had anyone ask me that, which I think is a good thing because it's not really relevant in the counseling room. Yeah, I, I agree. So we're trying to have an open discussion about pros and cons. Now, I was thinking about the pros. There really aren't that many, Liz, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll come up with a few. But I think that, you know, we'll talk about the dangers, maybe, is a good way to put it, or the risks. Maybe the risks is a better word. Yeah. I think there's some risks involved, but we can go over those. And So it's an open discussion, not a moral discussion. Yes. I mean, if we could summarize this whole episode in one quick, short blurb, it's that if you or your partner are uncomfortable with pornography, it has no place in your relationship. That's right. And so we can talk more, but you want to talk about that right now, because that often happens. And see, I think if a couple comes in and I've had couples do this and they talk about using porn and they're both okay with it, it's not a problem. And so it's not an issue that we deal with. Mm Where it becomes an issue is if one person is uncomfortable with it. And I think you can have a discussion about it, but ultimately you go with the person who's uncomfortable with it. And so, and and I realize that's highly restrictive, but it's too, it creates too unsafe an environment in a lot of ways. And again, I think we'll get into more details of what that's like in a marriage, but I agree with you. If one person is really uncomfortable, with it, then you don't do it. Or the other kind of a midway is sometimes they'll say, I'm okay with it with these constraints, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever these constraints are. Right. And so you come to some sort of compromise essentially about it. And that works well also, but there can never be any coercion. I mean, there yeah, can't yeah. be coercion about it. And so, you know, when I say that, I'm assuming that everybody's on board and that you're freely saying what you believe about it. You know, as we've talked about in previous episodes, it's all about the dialogue and how you listen to each other. Yep. And I think you have to have the empathy, see the empathy and the validation. Now, this would this is hard, and I've done this with couples. The one person who's uncomfortable with it, if you have the conversation about what is it that you like about it. Okay. Now you aren't acknowledging it or you aren't saying it's okay. You're just saying, I want to get you. I want to understand where you're coming from, but you do that. It's a reciprocal process. And so the other person has to say, I really want to understand what you're uncomfortable with or what you don't like about it. But I think eventually the solution, well, they come up with the solution, but the solution I suggest is you don't do it mm-hmm. unless, unless you're comfortable with a compromise. Some people are, some aren't. 
Right, exactly. And so I think we should take a minute and talk about what constitutes pornography. And I think that's going to be a bit of an individualistic level. And well, you're probably too young to remember the Supreme Court decision on this or what they said with the Supreme Court. You know it when you see it. That's, oh, that's, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's just, but what that saying is, it, if I think it's porn, it's porn. If you think it's porn, it's porn. There, I don't know that there's any definition about it. See, I haven't seen one. I don't know, but I mean, that constitutes a problem because I've known people who considered women in bikinis to be porn. But like, so is, how is that not valid for them? Exactly. And so, but I think it's important that we, that we discuss this and we talk about it. I've also heard people say, if it is arousing to you, it is porn. I have trouble with that definition because I think okay. there can be a lot of things that are arousing that isn't porn. I think actually I don't think that's a very good definition at all. I guess I, I well I guess I'm I'm speaking like if you're watching something on TV that's depicting sex or if you're looking at something and it's arousing. But I mean again, these are I disagree with that. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. Because which... I think you can be watching TV and it can be a regular old PG-13 and whatever's happened. Because what arouses is really what I'd call idiosyncratic, meaning it's so individual. And yes. so I can be looking at something on TV that's not going to make any sense to anyone else. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, it might be arousing to me. So I don't know that that's a very good definition. And let me give some more context. Okay. This is this came from my dad, and he was thinking of this from a religious perspective. And so that might play into it. And he was talking about, you know, if you're watching a movie and there's a sex scene going on and it's arousing to you, it's inappropriate and you should leave. But he was thinking of that from a moral standpoint. That's because, what came into my mind, too. Yeah, it's a yeah, moral determination. A moral thing. And that's really what this comes down to of how you define pornography it's going to be different for people and you know it's it's really comes down to a moral thing which is again why therapists they can't stick their noses in it and they can't define it and they can't say what they or are or are not comfortable with so i think that there are however maybe different levels of porn and that might be good to talk about so you know for example there can be movies where sex is being depicted or a show where right. sex is but it's covered does that make sense i mean that would probably be like an r-rated movie perhaps well i don't know i haven't i haven't seen movies in a long time but i i think that you know when they rate movies that certain way they're trying yeah. to get they're trying to get at that in some yep. way right you know, give some sort of rating about what's going on but i think you're right there are different levels but again the use of the word porn I think in some ways it's problematic. I mean, in our discussion tonight, aren't we talking about that which is easily accessible on the internet mostly? Because that's, I think that's what most people are going to associate with porn. Right, right. And I, and I guess, I mean, mostly, I guess what we're trying to discuss is when it's problematic in a marriage and what's, you know, but I guess the point I'm trying to establish is it's going to be different for every person. I mean, You're right. You know, yeah. some couples, they can watch an R-rated movie or, you know, they can watch a movie where sex is being depicted and they're both okay with it because they're there to, they're together. Other couples may say, you know, I neither of us should be watching that because it's inappropriate and it's going to be different. And Right, but then that comes down to a moral determination again. 
Yep, right. it really does. We're trying to stay away from <laughs> so well, it, it, it's a tricky discussion. It really yeah. is. But I think I agree with you. If we if we you know focus on well, we aren't gonna we aren't gonna come up with a definition of what is porn. No. But you know, for listeners, it it's complicated, I suppose. Uh-huh. But I think when I think of porn, I think of that which is you know accessible on the internet now. Yeah. Which is you know, it's quite varied what you can find. Mm-hmm. Are there different levels of porn? I suppose so. I mean, some people de- define it softcore porn as or as opposed to hardcore porn. I don't know that in how we're talking about it, that difference is that helpful. It doesn't helpful. matter, yeah. Well, I, you know, I suppose within the couple, you know, one of those compromises might be, you know, I'm okay with, I've never heard anyone say this, but they could say, oh, I'm okay with softcore porn, not hardcore porn. And and then you could have a discussion of what that is. But then the couple themselves would run into the exact same problem you and I are running into right now, which is what does that mean? Yeah. And and so, but I think there are different levels and I'll talk a little bit more about that later on. Yeah. So we know that porn can be addictive, but mm-hmm. we also know that addiction is very often mislabeled. And so before we get into this, I'm just going to reference a couple of episodes that we have done in the past. And it's been a while. So we did these uh, almost a year ago now, but we right. did talk about addiction and compulsive behavior and kind of differentiating the two. They're two separate episodes and they aired in June of last year. So if anyone wants to go back and listen to those, we give a pretty good in-depth explanation of the differences. But for anyone that doesn't want to, we're going to briefly explain what addiction is versus what it is not. So addiction is defined as a chronic relapsing, I'll say disorder, but I, I don't know that it, I mean, in this case, or behavior, let's say a chronic relapsing behavior characterized by compulsive use of what we're talking about is porn, mm-hmm. continued use despite harmful consequences and long lasting changes in the brain, which, you know, we can talk a little bit more. We know that happens. And so it's about when you continue to use something, in this case, porn, even when it causes problems in the relationship, or maybe you're giving up say, important social, occupational, recreational activities because you want to isolate yourself and use porn. That falls, in, in my mind, into that realm of addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. But what, what I want to stress is I hear this all the time in my office and in the culture at large. People throw around porn addiction. Oh, this guy's addicted to porn. And the other one that kind of goes along with it, oh, he's a sex addict. He's addicted to sex. Those particular labels are thrown around inaccurately, and I think they're used mainly to shame other people, to shame people, and to it's a way to describe something that that person is really uncomfortable with and that they would like to be different. And I think it's not helpful at all. In fact, it I've seen it when one person in a couple says to the other one, oh, I think you're a porn addict or a sex addict. It's not helpful at all because then the discussion focuses on, well, am I an addict or not? As opposed to, I'm uncomfortable with this thing that's Mm -hmm. going on. And so you divert the discussion from what you really want to talk about to essentially the definition of what's an addict. So are there sex addicts? Are there people who are addicted to porn? The answer is yes. Yes. Is that the majority of people who use porn? The answer is no. 
to that. I mean, we know that's not true, but that doesn't mean it's not harmful. I don't think you have to be fall into that addict category to make it an issue, say, in your life or your marriage. Yes. Yeah. And so let's then talk about how it can be an issue. Like when you're looking at porn, we know that there are physiological changes right. that are happening in your brain. And I think those are important to address. Right. And so I think this is especially true while the brain is developing. Yes. So when I think about porn use and the trouble with it, I think about adolescence. And I think I referenced a book by name by a guy named Philip Zimbardo, and it, it's called Man Disconnected. But he he gives this really good, I think, definition of when it becomes a problem. If people listen to that episode, they'll remember I threw in gaming as the same yeah. thing because he puts them together. He says gaming and porn become a problem when the person is using it in isolation and in extreme quantities, which to me that kind of says you're an addict. And and I think that that, I think it's easier for adolescents to fall into that category than say adults who might start using it. And I think the reason is because it's just their brain is developing. They're making those connections. Their brain is, it's experience that wires our brain. Mm -hmm. And adolescents up until age 25, the, their brain around age 25 is, yeah. their brain is still being wired. And so I think that's an especially difficult time to become hooked on looking at porn. So it's that dopamine system, the reward system. Mm -hmm. So there are definitely ways that it gets triggered. I think I'm pretty sure I'm remembering this correctly, that they, they put people in an MRI and they, I think they had them use cocaine and somebody looked at porn and the brain reaction was pretty identical wow. um, brain areas. And so it can be addictive. It's not for everyone. But the way I think about it is I think about alcohol mm -hmm. and you think alcohol use in adolescence is pre pretty dangerous. And illegal. Be well, it illegal. <laughs> it's illegal, but it's pretty yeah. dangerous as yeah. far as the brain is concerned. Yeah. Alcohol use, say in an adult, a 30-year-old, there are plenty of 30-year-olds who can have a drink socially and be fine. Mm -hmm. There's a certain percentage of them who are going to be compulsive users of alcohol when it does become a problem, not an addiction yet. And then there's a certain percentage that are going to become addicted to it and become alcoholic. I think the same thing applies to porn use, mm -hmm. that... There are a lot of people who are going to be able to handle it just fine without, you know, major consequences. But the question is, then, do you want to take that risk? Is that a risk you want to take? So it changes your brain. Mm -hmm. Physiologically, I have actually seen a couple of men with this where they have erectile dysfunction because they can only become aroused watching certain types of porn. Yeah. And so their brain has been wired that way. Now, the good thing is over time, you can change that. You can get back to, you know, a normal arousal pattern with another human being. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the hardest things about porn is it makes sex too personal, which I think sex can be personal, you know, the masturbation and things like that. But viewing porn is almost always linked with masturbation. And so the right. risk there, the risk is that you, it becomes more difficult for you to have a healthy, you might say normal sexual relationship with another person. And so that's one of the big risks. That I would agree with because 
we know that relationships are what make us happy. We like to be in a relationship with the person and, you know, to have a good, healthy, fulfilling sexual relationship, porn can really damage that. And, you know, as we said earlier, some couples, it's fine. But if it's not fine for either one, then, you know, it can become a real problem. And one of those things is a lot of times women or men and porn use is directed mainly at men, but there are women who do use porn. Okay, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Hi there, my name is Maya Acosta, and I'm the host of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast, where I explore ways that we can optimize our health. I learned about the field of lifestyle medicine, which uses evidence-based approaches to prevent, halt, and in even some cases, reverse disease. These are lifestyle modalities, such as using certain foods as medicine, using exercise to reverse disease, managing our stress, and even getting adequate sleep. Join me and the amazing people that I get to talk to as I set out to learn how taking better care of ourselves can help us both improve the quality of life and enhance our longevity. Let's get started. Right, and that's increasing. And I think it's, I actually haven't read anything about the reason we think it's increasing. We do know it is. Mm -hmm. However, I would guess maybe it's because it's so readily available and you can do it in isolation without anyone ever knowing you're doing it. So I think that's part of what's going on. Right. But oftentimes one member of the couple is your spouse. They consider it a betrayal because and that can be a big problem. And I guess this would just be maybe me personal, but personally, but I would imagine that they feel like you are including someone else into a very private and special part of our relationship that I don't want anyone else involved in. It certainly can be that, but I think mostly the betrayal is more about the secrecy Mm, behind it. You know, we've talked on probably many episodes about the importance in good, healthy relationships for for what I call transparency. Mm -hmm. And porn use, I would guess the vast majority of the time is not transparent and it's hidden. And so when the other partner finds out, that's what I think is a betrayal that you're right. It's often about, oh, you're, you know, you're including someone else, but mostly it's about the secret, the secrecy, Mm -hmm. because that tends to erode trust. So yeah, you're right. It it can be considered a betrayal. I think it's considered a betrayal when one person uses it and the other person doesn't want them to. Yes. Yeah. I think think one of the other things, the changes it makes, I I don't want to forget to talk about this. I think this is one of maybe the uh, worst things. I don't know what word to use, worst things about porn is one, it's not real. Yeah. It's fantasy. Mm -hmm. So you know, it changes, let's say mostly men are using it, but it changes men's perception either of what they should be, how they should behave in a sexual relationship, how women should be. I mean, it's total fantasy. It's not real at all. Mm -hmm. And it generally, for instance, gives the impression that women are always going to want to have sex with you no matter what, that they are willing and waiting just for you to walk in the door and have sex with them. Mm-hmm. And that's not what, you know, a mutual relationship is about. It's no. the giving. And so what porn does is it takes away, I think, or it makes it more difficult to really engage in that give and take behavior that is so important 
in a healthy relationship. And so going back to how easy it, it's so easily available now, and which I think is a problem. There's so many good things about the internet. There are so many really difficult things, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think this is one of them. And so it certainly is that it's, in my mind, it's all about money. It's oh, yeah. know, how can we make the money? And so you tailor the porn or what you're watching. And there's probably AI and artificial intelligence, which I think we've talked about, you know, that's involved there that kind of leads you down this path. And it just, oh, yeah. reinforce, it just reinforces, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is you're looking at and you get more and more of it. But I think what happens is you then become isolated might be too strong of a word, but it's easier to have a solo relationship, sexual relationship with yourself and porn that it is to engage in a healthy adult relationship. And that, that is, as you said a minute ago, what makes us happy is, you know, good adult relationships and sexuality is part of that. Yeah, it very much is. And, you know, I agree that porn definitely gives a distorted sense of what a physical and intimate relationship can be like and you don't even have to get into pornography to see what a distorted sexual relationship can look like i mean sex is depicted all the time just on tv in various tv shows and you know i think you have to be careful when talking or with teens you know in particular i mean we know that pornography is is dangerous for teens and i should also reference we did do an entire episode on teen pornography use that you can go back and find where we broke that down. And so, you know, that's something to discuss before you become sexually active with someone, I think, is what is your perception of sex? What does it look like to you? And, you know, talk to your kids about it, certainly, that it's not like you see in the movies. That's a very distorted image that isn't realistic at all. Yeah, I found this interesting fact. Uh, one study shows that approximately 45% of teens who consumed porn did so in part to learn about sex. And similarly, survey results also show one in four 18 to 24 year olds, 24 year olds listed pornography as the most helpful source to learn about how to have sex. Now that's problematic. Yes. <laughs> because it's not reality. And so it changes your idea, okay, what what am I going to be turned on to? What is, men and women don't look the way they do in, I mean, most of us don't look the way they do in porn, right? And there's a reason that they do that because I suppose it's more attractive, but it skews your your sense of reality in either what you're attracted to or what you should be attracted to in your marriage. And so if that's where people are learning about sex, that's the problem. Now, so someone would say, well, okay, how do we learn about sex? Well, I think you can read about it. I I still remember this. So I've been married 45 years. We went on our honeymoon to Hawaii and and we get on the plane and my wife's mother gives us a book. It's an old book called The Joy of Sex. Oh. I think as I look back and I think it's pretty hilarious. (laughs) Two people who haven't had sex before. And so here's this book, The Joy of Sex. And actually I have to admit it was pretty helpful. Yeah. So, you know, looking looking at a book is very different than watching porn because yeah. it's not like they're depicting these unrealistic things. They're actually telling you the how to. I think also 
you learning how to have sex, you have sex with another person. I mean, yes. that's, how, that's how one learns to have sex, I believe. And I think it's the healthier way to learn how to have sex uh, is in the context of a relationship. Yes, I, I agree. You know, a committed and a caring relationship. And yeah. it's very important to be open with your partner of, you know, hey, I've done this before or I haven't done this before. I think that's an important dialogue to have. And, yeah. you know, porn is only going to distort that if if you're looking at it. So let's talk about the use of porn in sex therapy, because there are sex therapists out there who will recommend the use of porn. And I would imagine that it's under very specific circumstances and it's kind of very specific use. Well, it could be two things. It, it could be, you know, for educational values, although I think a book could probably be better. Yeah. But again, there used to be in Florida, I haven't looked at this in a long time. It's called the Sinclair Institute. Now, when the Sinclair Institute was first started, that was their whole goal. Okay. It, so you could say that they were selling porn, but it was very specific about educational. And it was very different than, say, the porn you would look at on the Internet today. Yeah. Um, and I have, I actually have no idea if they're still in business or what they're doing. So I think that in that regard, it has been suggested for some couples for educational values. Now, if you're having difficulty, say with arousal, then often, you know, it's suggested for that as well. But again, both, both partners in the relationship have to be on board with that. Now in, in keeping with that, the I don't know if this is going to be helpful for listeners, but there are, I think there are a few companies out there that produce porn that are run and totally staffed by women. Hmm, interesting. And so it tends to be a different quality because their, their demographic that they're after is really more focused towards women and it's more focused towards, so you have more, say, relationship issues in the movies you know it's not just okay we get naked and we have sex it's more from say a female's perspective but i think you still have to be careful with that and you have to you know really check it out and see what you're doing but there are different companies out there who are trying to do that because i think a lot of people think there might be some value in some erotic value is the word I would use in porn. Mm -hmm. But the vast majority of what you find on the internet, I was going to use the word disgusting came to mind. And that's a value judgment. I, I mm -hmm. get it. But, you know, Distorted. It, can be, it, it can be really harsh. And so yeah. I think long people think, well, we can do this in a, a different way and have it not be quite that distorted. And so, you know, if you focus more on relationships, and I think most of the porn out there, as you pointed out earlier, is really geared toward men. And so it's from the male perspective, which isn't realistic at all. I mean, you've got two people involved here in this process. And so that's one of the ways it distorts reality. So I think that sometimes, not often, but sometimes it would be uh, suggested uh, to use porn for couples. I think also I've, I've heard this thrown out there that as we age it, you know, the way we respond to sexual things really kind of dampens a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sometimes it's suggested for mature couples as a way to just because it becomes a mental process. And as you age, it becomes less physical and more mental. Okay. 
And so it's just a way to kind of spice that part up, spice the mental part up. Mm -hmm. I think there are ways you can do that without porn though. I'm not saying that the porn is the only way to do that. Right. And so there are good sex therapists out there who really deal in this. We have one who works with us. Jordan Rulo is a certified sex therapist. And so I deal with sex, but not, I wouldn't certainly not call myself a sex therapist at all. Right. I haven't been trained in that. But so I think there are times when it is discussed as a way to enhance the relationship. Right. And really, you know, what this all comes down to is sexuality is a very, very important part of a relationship. And, you know, obviously the main purpose is for procreation, right? But it's well that's still... a moral now wait, that's a moral statement. Just so you know. So for some people okay. Not about procreation. Now, physiologically, it is. Okay, that's but, that's true. Right. Um, so, that that you know, and so well, you can. I think it's fine for us to have, you know, different true. ideas. I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, Anyways, so you know, sex it it really is. It's a very important part of a healthy and long-lasting relationship, and it needs to be talked about before. And during a relationship. And, you know, I think that's, I mean, our podcast is all about mental health. Relationships are a very, very big, important part of mental health. Right. And non-sexual uh, marriages don't do very well. But here, here's the thing why I think that primarily sex isn't about procreation. Because if you look at the years in which a woman is fertile and able to give birth, mm-hmm. compared to how long we live now and are in relationships, it's actually a very short time. Mm-hmm. And so you're yeah. actually in the marriage and in the relationship and having a sexual relationship far longer than when you're in those years when you can procreate. So I I realize that sex leads to procreation, which is an important part of it. But I think what's different now is we live a lot longer and we tend to be healthier. And so, you know, people in their 70s have sexual relationships. I talk to people who are in their, you know, 70s who are still sexually active. And so at that point, you know, they've been they've been doing this for 40, 30, 40 years Mm -hmm. with no thought of procreation. Yeah. And, you know, that is a really good point to bring up, you know, just because we're old doesn't mean everything changes and it doesn't mean that desire completely dissipates. I mean, I, it's, you can certainly expect it to change. It changes. And a lot of people have trouble with the change, you know, accepting the change. I think it's much easier if you just accept it and and figure out what works, you know, in your 60s and 70s. But there really is is not a lot of reason to discontinue sexuality just because you get older. It just looks different. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still important. So getting back to the porn issue, I think ultimately you have to be very, very careful with it. And I think it can be a problem because you can... If you're bored, like one of the reasons people use it is, or often men, adolescents, is they're bored. And so they get this temporary spike in their dopamine that feels pretty good. And then they, you get used to using that to satisfy their boredom. And ultimately, it's not a very good way to, to take care of that. You know, go out and do something interesting. Go out and be with people. Go out and have a real sexual relationship with someone. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, that danger of 
porn is it's likely to stick in your head and you're mm -hmm. likely to think a lot about it. And because again, it gives you that dopamine response and right. that's going to make you likely to want more. And you know, that can be a very vicious cycle to break just because you're not addicted to it. Doesn't mean that it's not problematic and it doesn't mean you're not going to go through periods where it's like, Oh, I shouldn't because this is going to be a betrayal to my spouse, but I really want to. Just as, just as I would say to someone who came in and said, well, I get really, really stressed. And so I go home and I take a couple of drinks and that really helps. I would say, you know, that's not that healthy of a response. You would hear people say, okay, I get really, really stressed. And if I look at porn, porn and masturbate, then I feel less stressed, which I get it. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's actually true because the physiological things that happen are going to de-stress you. Yes. I don't know that that's the healthy response. However, mm -hmm. I would say that there are healthier response, healthier ways to handle stress, which we've talked about the big three, good sleep, good yep. aerobic exercise, 